Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Welcome back to the Shema Podcast, my friends. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a man who was a successful, wealthy business owner, and he had a son. And he wanted to bestow goodness to his son, as he loved him very much. So the father decided to set up a trust fund for his his son that would provide for all his needs, allow him to have the best that life had to offer. The son grew up knowing this. And because he knew he had this trust fund waiting for him on his 18th birthday, he lived a very carefree life. He didn't need to really work hard at school. He spent most of his time playing video games or hanging out with his friends. When he became 18, he didn't really see a need to pursue any further education. I mean, he didn't have a, an occupation, a profession to prepare for. So he spent his days sleeping in, going to parties, having a really good time. Now, during this whole process, because he was not really dependent on his father for anything, and his father didn't have any really expectations for him, he really never developed a close relationship with his father, which made his father very sad. The son didn't even know the father was full of great wisdom. He just did not spend enough time with him, talking with him to realize this. And the son began to realize as he got older that not only did he not have a relationship with his father, but the people he had in his life, he knew deep down were really not his friends. I mean, they liked him because he always covered the bar bills and threw lavish parties at his beautiful home paid for by this trust fund. The women he dated really were just interested in the fact that he bought them nice gifts and took them on nice trips. And the son started to become very sad. He was found his life directionless, had no purpose in it. And in that state of sadness, he would go back to those old pleasures of partying and drinking and women and drugs and everything else, trying to get the pleasure of those things that he used to enjoy so much. But they weren't producing those dividends anymore. They weren't producing the pleasure. And that got him even into a greater state of sadness. Years later, the father, who now was running a multinational corporation, had another son. And once again, he wanted to bestow goodness to his son, but he decided to take a different path. He wanted to make sure the son, for one, grew close to him. And he wanted to make sure the son had a sense of purpose. So with this son, he was much harder on him. He made sure that he applied himself in school. He woke up early, studied, did the things he needed to do to succeed in getting his education. The father spent a lot of time with him, sharing his wisdom, talking to him about the business that he'd one day come in and be a part of. And he shared with his son that he wants him to groom him to lead the company with him one day. And that gave the son a great sense of purpose. It drove him, even though his lifestyle was a lot more challenging than his older brother. It was important for the father to groom his son to have the type of character that would reflect properly on him and his organization and all the people that were part of his organization. And so he would teach him these things, talk to him and share his wisdom to groom his son 
to refine himself. And when the son finished all his formal education, the father brought him into the business. And the father made sure the son was constantly learning about all the different areas of the business and how they operated. And the father knew that the son was working very hard and he was demanding a lot from him. It required a very disciplined lifestyle. And starting out the bottom of the organization and being involved with a lot of minutiae and all the day-to-day tasks, the father gave the corporate mission statement to the son and said, I want you to read this every morning and every night. So you'll remember the big pictures. You're involved in your day-to-day affairs. You'll remember the overarching goal of this organization. And that made the son happy because it brought meaning to all of his day-to-day activities, knowing how he was contributing to the overall goal of the organization. The father also wrote his son a letter, and he asked his son to read this letter every morning. And the son appreciated this letter because what it said to him from his father, that every day when you show up to work, I'm going to create and put new challenges on you. And these challenges are going to help you learn and groom you to run this business with me. But just know that I'm not going to put any challenges on you that I don't know with 100% certainty that you will become successful at. So yes, they're going to be challenging, but you will succeed at all of them. And I'll always be here to talk with you if you find yourself struggling with any of them. The other thing the father did was he realized because his son was working so hard that he wanted to give his son a day off. So he told his son, look, Once a week, from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown, I want you to have one day of relaxing, and I want you to go get the finest food for yourself and just put it on your company expense account. It's on me. I just want you to really enjoy yourself. And the the son was very grateful for that. But he asked his father for one more thing. He asked his father if he could spend that day with him, and that made the father very, very happy. And so they would spend one day a week, just father and son, spending time together, the son asking the father questions, learning from the father all of his great wisdom, learning about the operation that he he is involved with and is assuming greater and greater responsibility with. And that day with the father is what would empower him and drive him to work even harder that week because the, the son had such reverence for his father and such love that he wanted to make him proud. He wanted to do a good job for him. He realized the kindness he was doing by giving him this opportunity to not only become close to him, but by, by the mere fact that his father thought enough of him to give him such a tremendous amount of responsibility and to have such high expectations of him. Now, as the son advanced in the corporation from one level to the next level, the son knew. I mean, the more higher he got, the more his decisions and his actions and his words impacted the overall organization. Because this organization was so intertwined in commerce throughout the entire world and all businesses, their vendors and customers, that his decisions, the further he advanced, just reverberated more throughout the world economies. And the father was tougher on him as he went from level to level. He was more exacting with him when it came to his behavior. And the father constantly wanted him to learn more of his wisdom and how the business operated 
so he would make decisions the way the father made decisions and continue to lead the company to greater and greater success. And as the son who had become very educated and aware of all the different facets of the business, he was actually able to extrapolate and create new ideas that created new lines of revenue and new efficiencies for the business. And the father was very pleased with all these things. And then over time, one day, the father shared with his son that the time had come and that he was going to no longer be CEO and president, but he was going to just become CEO and appoint his son as the president of the organization. And the son was so proud. He felt so good about himself. For one, he had such a close relationship with his father. And as he looked back over his life and saw how the father was disciplined with him and was spending so much time working with him, and as he advanced, it became tougher and tougher on him. He saw now with clarity why the father did that. It groomed him. It shaped him to be like his father. So the second son lived a life of tremendous purpose and tremendous joy. My friends, being a Torah observant Jew is not the easy path. It takes a lot of discipline. You know, I have these conversations with my colleagues, the, the people that, that work under me. I've heard things, you know, recently like, Dan, you don't respond to my emails until around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I say, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't get to them. And I'll start looking at my email until around that time. And I get comments back very smugly, like, well, I like to get my workday started much earlier. And I just say, that is so great. I really appreciate and respect your work ethic. See, what they don't understand is all the responsibilities I have to take care of in my service to Hashem before they even are getting out of bed. A sleeping day is 5 a.m. And quite often, it's a lot earlier than that. Even on Shabbos, I wake up earlier than I do during the week. Why do I do that? Because I, I like to pray nates. For those of you who are new to your learning, that is the earliest time, most optimal time to be beginning Shemnon Esrei. But I like to get some learning in beforehand, which requires me waking up significantly before that time so I can get to Shul to, to pray with, with my peers. But they don't know. And they wouldn't understand if I even try to explain it to them why I do these things. They don't know that beyond all the responsibilities I have at work, I also have to make sure I keep abreast of everything happening in the global economy and market so I can distill it down into nice, clean talking points for them to use when they're out in their meetings. And even though I have all these responsibilities, they're all secondary in importance to making sure I take time to learn Torah every day. They don't understand. I get comments before holidays when I tell them I'll be taking off. And the comments are things like, wow, it must be nice to be Jewish. You get to have so much vacation time with all these holidays. And they don't understand that our word for a holiday is not remotely even close to their idea of a holiday. Their idea of a holiday is taking off from work, going to pool parties, drinking beer, watching football. You know, it's, they do not understand that before a holiday for us, especially for someone like me who's so nascent in their learning, I have to prep for it by studying and learning the halakha around that holiday. I have to 
read other texts to get me into a mindset to become a vessel to receive that special light that's going to come into the world. And then when we're on our holiday, we're using that time away from work to spend more time in the shuls, davening and learning Torah. I mean, they don't understand and that's okay. The reason they don't understand is because their holidays were created by men for men. And our holidays were created by the creator for men to make them greater than an angel. Yes, it's harder when I have to go out and travel on business, noshing on almonds during the day, to sit with my colleague and a potential or current client over a lunch meeting and a dinner meeting while they're eating a nice meal and I'm having a glass of water. Being a Torah observant Jew is a more difficult life. It takes more discipline. But in my parable, which son would you prefer to be? You know, Hashem wanted to bestow the ultimate goodness. And what he knew is that the highest pleasure is not just in receiving from the one you love, but also in reciprocating back to them. In the beginning, it was just him. He had to make space for us to exist within giving us the opportunity to reciprocate by making space within us, by the battle of nullifying our ego, our Yetzirah, and becoming a vessel purely to fulfill his will. He made space for us. Now we get to make space for him. He created a world for us to live in, and then he tasked us with then making it a world that he can reside in and provided us the tools and the technology via the Torah and the mitzvot to do such. So while it seems harder from the outsider, once you contemplate it, that the work and the discipline provides us with what we really yearn for. The receiving from Hashem, those things that we need, are what allow us to stay connected to Him. Unlike the first son who was not dependent on the father for anything, He lost what he truly wanted, which was a relationship with his father. I want to share with you something that occurred to me. It's probably one of the most meaningful moments of my life. It was around a year and a half ago. It was the day of my wife's conversion. And the rabbis in the base den said that before they gave my wife a conversion, they wanted to give me a conversion just to remove all doubts. Just in case my great-great-grandmother, who was born as a non-Jew, and adopted by a Jewish family, just in case they did not have the wherewithal to know to place her in the mikvah and properly convert her to a Jew to cause her neshama to latch onto the branch of neshamas of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yokov. And they told me for this conversion to remove all doubts to be effective, they had to stop and think and believe in that moment that I was not a Jew. So then I could make a conscious decision to choose to be a Jew. And I thought about this, contemplating that I'm not a Jew, and now I have two paths to choose from. The one path of a non-Jew is a lot easier. I mean, they're required only to do the seven Noahide laws. And what are those seven Noahide laws? One, the world is supposed to believe that God is one. And two, to not profane Hashem's name. I mean, right there, the vast majority of the world does not do that. They pray to men, or they believe there's a second power in the world, the devil, that is a conflict with Hashem, and has some independent power, 
or they pray to nature, or the latest fad, they pray and worship science, which is really their own ego. So the first two, the vast majority of the world isn't even able to do. And then you get, of course, to sexual purity. <laughs> you, lost, you lost a lot of people at this point. And even things that they may say, I have succeeded at, like thou shall not murder, if they understood that in that mitzvah of not to murder is to not humiliate anyone. And you have the vast majority of the world look at all their social media posts, they would find that they're guilty of this as well. Thou shall not steal. The very first thing we were asked when we, when we die is, were you truthful in business? A lot of the world has a hard time at this. I think the only thing that they, that the majority are, could succeed at is their dietary restriction, which is simply not to eat the limb of a living animal. And then they have to establish courts of law and ensure justice in the world. So when you look at these seven no-hide laws, I'm thinking like, wow, that's a cakewalk. Right there, it would put me in probably the top 1% of 1% of 1% of the world population. I'm looking pretty good just doing these seven no-hide laws. And then you look at the other path of being a Jew, 613 mitzvos that extrapolate out into tens and tens of thousands of laws that govern every thought and every action that we take. All the way to the proper way to get ready in the morning, the proper order of washing our body, cutting our nails, putting on our clothes, every single thought word in action comes with it a choice to serve Hashem and to fulfill his will in every single thing. Nothing becomes mundane. It all has purpose. Living the life of a non-Jew, although I will say I was not actually fulfilling the seven no-high laws, but that life was easier. The life of a Torah observant Jew is harder. And as I, I was standing in the mikvah, and I want you to not listen to this as a separate party hearing my story, I want you to envision yourself standing in the mikvah with this choice. What would you choose? I'm sure my thoughts and my words are yours. And I'm sure you'll say amen to all of these. But I thought to myself and said under my breath, it's so crystal clear. Of course, I choose the opportunity to serve my creator in the most optimal way possible, to be able to reciprocate create space in myself and fight for that every day, which is a challenge to nullify the ego, to fulfill his Torah, his mitzvot, to make this world holy so he can reside here with us. I choose to be a Jew. I choose Hashem. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.